I did notice that you really stayed calm and you did not feel she my went, agitation. She went like overly calm. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Kat, yeah. we need to freak out here. Do you not see Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, ladies, and welcome back to Herspective, and good morning. This is a first for us. Yeah, we're doing an early morning, early Friday of the long weekend morning record. (laughs) I know. It is I'm okay with that. (laughs) I'm down. It took me away from my uh, morning workout, so I'm like, yes, I can record then. (laughs) Well, I'm trying to do one right after this, so... Oh, now I've I feel been, guilty. I've been diligent, but I've been diligent. I mean, so last time we chatted on the show, I was talking about like being in such a like down yeah. spiral and not even wanting to get out of bed again and just like, yeah, just the overall rut feeling. And um, as I also mentioned, I had a workout with Carolyn, um, who we said was on the pod, and it helped, really helped. I was like still blah, but... I kind of like regain that okay I want to work out I feel better when I work out it gives me energy and also I've been waking up at like 6 30 which is not like me I am not a morning person I'm not an early riser and I'm just waking up so I am attributing that to like my renewed sense of like energy and overall feeling better so Wow. I'll, t- I'll take the positives at this yeah, point. Yeah, what an inspirational, like, success story here. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what these early mornings bring. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here thinking, yes, I got off the hook. I don't have to work out today because <laughs> I'm recording. <laughs> and here you are, like, up and at them, going to work out anyway. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, on, with the sunshine, too, it just adds that additional it does good it vibes makes, element it makes waking up way easier like you know in the winter when you like wake up when it's dark you leave work when it's dark it sucks you're just tired and want to sit under a blankie in the summer obviously it's like yay the sun is shining i gotta get up and enjoy it all day long for 17 straight hours in the yeah. winter i honestly wish like hibernation was a thing for humans because i just have no use for winter like other than your birthday kind I'll come of out of hibernation for that um but i just it serves me no purpose like i wish i could just sleep through winter <laughs> i okay so i have this like battle in my brain all the time about... oh, and christmas i'll get up for that too yeah christmas <laughs> is a, a whole thing um, but I, I, like every transitionary time of the year, so each season, I, I love all the seasons because I love the change. I love the what's to come. And so I always love winter because there are certain things in winter that I just absolutely love. Like when it is nighttime and it is snowing and everything is so bright and quiet and peaceful. And maybe that's because I'm a city girl, so I'm not used to quiet ever. So it's so nice to have the whole world like or well our whole city neighborhood quiet so those feelings and then of course christmas uh, my birthday birthday. (laughs) (laughs) like i just love it all i don't think christmas is a day it's like a whole season too so i don't know i love winter but by fucking february march i am done with winter 
Well, so was winter spring. pretty much by that time. So I guess that no, works out it for still you. trickles. Like okay, okay, how about this? But I love spring, but I hate the transition from winter to spring. Those few weeks, Ugh. where it's still gray and wet, on. And disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Spring is great when the buds are popping and the flowers are coming out, and it's warm and sunny. I don't like the winter spring transitionary moments. <laughs> well. Now for our listeners, in case you weren't familiar with how the seasons work, we we just let Always you know. Count on you're us. Wa- you're welcome for the hard hitting facts that you know are are unknown. You know what? Uh, we discuss important information on the pod, so you're you guys are welcome. In our intro, we don't discuss important information. That's this why we have important. guests. <laughs> we need guests. To make us important. Relevant. <laughs> to make us say things of value. Okay. Well, at to least we have that much sense. Um, other, well, I have some unimportant information, but it's kind of important. So Is this I have the to story tell you. you have to tell? Yes. Yay. We had a loss in the family. What? Yes. SpongeBob the fish met an untimely death. I hate to say it, but is this like a plant pet thing? <laughs> yeah, keep it alive. Yes. What happened? I'm sorry, babe. I'm, <laughs> I'm instantly like. Also, you can't keep your plants alive. <laughs> Just kick me while I'm down. I guess. know. I'm sorry. <laughs> what happened? So, but that's why I'm telling this story because it's a lesson. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we normalize death here. Yeah. <laughs> no stigmas. So no. my son got SpongeBob the fish. He was a beta fish for his birthday, which was on May 1st. It is May 21st. <laughs> <laughs> well, when did he die yesterday? Yeah. So May 21st. And yeah. Um, so he lived all of three weeks. Um, RIP SpongeBob. Two things here. One... I learned. We learned something about life and death. The beta fish and, are ridiculous. Yeah. You said well, like 20 of them. Did you know that they will eat until they die? Because he ate As himself to death. Fish. That's the point of the story. We oh kept, we fed him a lot and then he died. I fed him yesterday morning and then apparently so did my son. And then yesterday afternoon, he was belly up. So he ate himself to death, which is... Okay. Sad, most but also kids have to learn this lesson. <laughs> it's very true that fish will eat till I remember having to scoop out food that like accidentally poured in to my fish's tank because they will just continue to eat. I remember the pet store where I was like, do not overfeed them two flakes every day. That's it. Yeah, well, they're obviously stupid. Their brain's the size of their eyeball, so they can't. Don't yeah. you feel full? Like, Jesus. No, they don't have that in their brain. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> they have no central He's nervous dead. system, apparently. Anyway, he was belly up. Coley was uh, sort of sad. He was like, well, my you... fish is dead. <laughs> okay. Leave it to him for the cold hard facts, eh? Yeah, I know. Like, when I exposed them to another death situation when the bunny was the dead bunny. I didn't yeah, tell the story on the pod, sad. but I did no, share it on social media. That was devastating. <laughs> I, I was with Cole's Jackson like, on that one. Who did this? Like, he's so angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, what piece of shit does that? You know what's so weird? Right? <laughs> Goddamn raccoons or whatever it was. We don't know. 
It's still an unsolved mystery. It's a fox, I bet you. Cause, no, I don't well, think so. Not in our, Like, I've seen a fox. Anyway, we're, we're getting sidetracked <laughs> from the fish. There's so much so death sorry. around us these days. Um, <laughs> I was about to tell you about my dead rabbit situation, but no, it's okay. <laughs> Save, save it for, for another, another day. <laughs> um, but the fish, I, my point of the story was that clearly I cannot have the trifecta. So it's either humans, which are my children, and... <laughs> And a pet, which I've kept all my pets alive until well, today. Kept, like, no well, until yesterday. Pets, like, well, until dogs. yesterday, though. Yeah, but when my dogs were alive, the plants were not. There's no trifecta. But the kids and were the also reason... still alive. So yes, <laughs> but that's why it's only that. two. So I'll tell you why the fish died. Because oh, I have a pot of plants thriving. <laughs> my little garden is thriving. And that's why someone had to go. Thankfully, it was the fish and know. not a child. <laughs> I want you to know I'm very happy about the result of this story. Even though there is a death, it's not a kid. But most importantly, hey, it's not the plants. Hey, don't even see that anymore. Don't put that in the universe. But yes, it is. Most importantly, it's not a kid, Jessica. I but, said that. Okay. But yeah, so anyway, that is my morning story of... Um, death so we can move on now we've more oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that and i'm sure all of our listeners will you know understand and appreciate this i think well. some people can probably relate so let's I normalize literally everyone can relate what is your childhood without <laughs> a bunch of dead fish in it <laughs> You basically didn't have a childhood if that didn't happen. <laughs> so you're just giving Cole a rite of passage for life. So. I didn't have dead fish in my childhood. I had dead turtles. My mom okay, that's bur- worse. burned one. <laughs> what? I no, tell me what you're talking about right now. Why? In a fire? What? No. <laughs> she just lit the tank aflame. Fuck these that's turtles. Psycho. We need to start... Our pods with things like that more often. Like, yeah. Tell us the good stuff. So, so joyous. <laughs> so when I was a kid, you want to know why, why I am the you way know I am? You I'm traumatized. My mom used to light turtles on fire. <laughs> what? <laughs> that explains everything. Oh, my God. Morning, okay, really, morning records do? are the way to go, I think, at this point. <laughs> well, all the truth comes out clearly. I didn't know you were sitting on that bad boy of information. <laughs> Um, I don't really remember, but she was cleaning the tank and she used scalding water. And I guess when she was like tipping oh! the tank in, one fell oh! It's, you know, it's still up for debate. Also an unsolved mystery, to be fair. It either broke its neck from smacking against the side of the sink or it burned oh, in the scalding water. Oh my waters. God. <laughs> None of those are nice. Oh my God. Okay, are you it's happy way worse now? Yeah, but I would rather her have lit one on fire. Like, I don't, these are horrible deaths. Do you mind if, have you ever thought Being of lit on fire is possibly the most horrible death. <laughs> well, I wasn't saying it would be better. <laughs> I don't know. The thought of being boiled alive in water is horrific. Well, we do that to a lot of sea creatures, I think. Anyway. Lobsters, oh, yeah. Crabs, that we eat. Yeah, yeah, those are, those turtles. are not. I have to like disconnect. It's that there's my cognitive cognitive uh, dissonance. dissonance working because I can't imagine that they're alive. Anyway, so 
We're we're going to uh, change the tone of the show to <laughs> mourning mortality. With Let's death. talk about all the dead things we know about and or have killed and or I guess have, have affected seen. us traumatically. <laughs> yeah, I've seen. Um, no, oh we will. God. We will move you know on your now. Mom killed that p- turtle on purpose. No, she didn't. She I was... think she did. Most parents, like, if you didn't want that fish anymore, you could have just slipped an extra little bit of food. Like, this is what parents do. Okay. Well, my mom didn't. I'm not. Don't traumatize me more. <laughs> Still in childhood. Tra- I am. <laughs> Speaking of childhood trauma, we have an amazing show today. <laughs> yeah. That in not necessarily centers around childhood trauma. But but it could, could, and (laughs) and I think we've had enough guests on, and we've had enough discussions actually to to highlight the fact that a lot of what we carry in our adult years is due to childhood traumas and situations and events that played a big role in the way we've sort of viewed things as we got older. Well, yeah, we know everyone knows uh, that has any bit of self awareness. Our childhood is what makes us the adults that we are. So there's going to be a lot of bad shit that comes with it. It's inevitable. And you hope that you just, you know, learn and grow and get better. But But you know what? Our parents were just, you know, I actually spoke about this with my therapist. Our parents are just people, you know. Yes. They're doing the best they can. They're not, well, you know, you'd like to believe they're not trying to. Yeah. And I, you know, that's a whole other path to go down. <laughs> which is not we, where we're going today. We've, we've shared enough <laughs> darkness today, I think. Uh, but no, we do speak because we're talking about, you know, some traumas and recoveries and therapies. We do have an amazing guest joining us to discuss today. And that is Kat Nance. She is a somatic sex and relationship coach. She is a Canadian girl. She's based out of Guelph. Um, she is just amazing. And this episode was so great for us because I personally, I know you knew a little bit, Jess, but I personally knew nothing about somatic therapy. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I didn't really know enough to, to say anything. Yeah. To say, you know, (laughs) to lead the show. (laughs) Actually, our guest is Jess and she's going to talk fully uneducatedly about somatic therapy. Well, what else is new? (laughs) But no, Kat um, is just so fantastic. She will explain what somatic therapy is because I will not do it justice. But just to give a quick overview, it basically works on the body and being in touch with like what you're actually feeling in the body. And anyway, again, I don't even want to try. No, but I will say... Throughout this call, she had the most amazing energy that was just oozing through the computer uh, through our Zoom call, and I could feel it. I could feel how secure and stable she was um, within her energy. I don't know if you guys know what I mean by that, but she just felt like if I was near her, I would feel so comfortable. Like, she just had that feeling about her. I don't know. I'm sure you picked that up too, Laura. Oh, my God. Yeah, she was just like a calming entity and and we do kind of touch on that um in our chat with her because there's a time that you know we talk about getting kind of worked up and tensions and feeling that energy through your body and she just stays so calm and collected which thankfully because that's kind of her job um (laughs) that she she, like gives in as well yeah yeah and she explains all that it was after the call i felt these vibes like for a long time 
and just everything that she talked about. And in fact, because of this conversation, I did actually go and talk to my husband and kind of so had a way I. to it. Well, you need to share what you said. Um, but <laughs> I'll give you guys a, a pre follow up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a conversation, was able to explain things a little bit differently than I have in the past with him. Now, at this stage, I can't say that he like gets it or even cares, but I did ask that he listens to this episode to maybe be able to like understand me a little bit say? more. Nothing. <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> but anyway, she's just fantastic and we had such a great conversation. But there was an incident and Jess, you had to investigate so please so you guys will hear about it (laughs) you'll hear about it at the end of the show but i'll just preface with this he's fine and he encourages it (laughs) so when you guys no you have to tell because the reason i say that is no because not tell the action maybe (laughs) well they're gonna find out but the thing is, what you said to me is that it was a reinforcement of your desire. So, like, I just thought that that was really interesting to hear. I didn't think he would have a problem with your behaviors. Um, but I thought that his response was, like, kind of thought out. and Kind of, but it was more along the lines of, okay, it was really choppy. It was like... I asked him, uh, how does he feel when I do it? And the, again, we're teasing it. But he is like, uh, it's encouraged. It's fine. It shows that you like my... And, like, obviously he got a little gross with it. So <laughs> <laughs> he encourages it. it. It shows that I have desire for him. <laughs> and you'll just... This will make you understand just how fucking different men and women are. <laughs> yeah, and you'll get it once you hear the show. So I think that we've done enough teasing. <laughs> yeah. Enough- death talk um we're not gonna do cat enough justice she needs to like share everything with you um instead of us because she's just like the best and her energy is oh so mm-hmm. like yeah just calming and i felt so good talking to her and i feel like anybody listening you'll just like zen out when you hear this episode when she speaks and i mean sorry that you have to listen to jess and our and my um like <laughs> irrational and <laughs> and like anyway without further ado we are so so excited to welcome Kat Nance to the show welcome Kat welcome to the show Kat we are so excited to chat with you especially because we are going to be talking about something that I almost had never even heard of and definitely no, I'll just say it, nothing about. Um, So really, really excited for you to school us on everything you do. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, Do you want me to share a little bit about what it is that I do? Yes, absolutely. Please tell us who you are and what you do. (laughs) Great. So I'm Kat Nance. I'm out of Guelph, Ontario, and I'm a somatic sex coach. Uh, So some people might be familiar with the sex coach piece and have like a general idea of what that is. But the somatic piece, soma means in the body. And so my approach is bottom up. And so because most of the information our body receives around uh, trauma is from the body up, I uh, my approach is very much in the body. So um, the idea is to teach people what the 
what their body is telling them because often we are talking from this place like brain to brain cognitive thinking and so a lot of my job is about bringing people back into their bodies and feeling safe here again and feeling like pleasure is accessible here in their body um so that's like the nutshell of it (laughs) it's a very like short small when you say body up you mean like what they're feeling in their body but they're only like recognizing it in the brain is that what you mean yeah, if you think, I'll try to think of, uh, like, I mean, I guess I have lots of good examples. So if we, this is the most common example I'll give. Like, let's say I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm, you know, I'm doing the dishes and I'm really in the zone. You know that in the zone where you're just in your own thoughts and you're not really yep. in the world around Definitely. you? And let's say my partner walks in and he puts his arms around me and he comes in, scoops up and grabs a breast. And my body's just like, you know, gets this jolt of energy and my body contracts and goes into like a little freeze. And then I realize, oh, it's my partner. I didn't love that. Like, I'm not, I don't want him to grab my breasts like that. But like, I know he's safe, like he's a safe person. But the issue is that it's the, the impact has happened in my body. So that my body is the first thing in the room. My body is the first thing to have a conversation with anything else in the space. And then my cognitive thinking comes online to talk me out of or into what my body's experiencing. And so he hugs me and, and touches me in that way and my body contracts. But now my mind has to make sense of it. And so then I might be irritated with him now because that's the cognitive expression of the physiological response in my body. So really that's just the fight and flee response or the fight and shutdown response happening in my body. And it happens like this, like milliseconds. And so it responds, I know it's very fast. And so we (laughs) think all these fights we're having with our partners or in relationship, these, this conflict is happening cognitive mind to cognitive mind, because that's where we hold our identity or our sense of self, our ego. We think like, oh, I wish they would just do this. Or, you know, I feel like I'm failing because I always think or do things this way, whatever our complaints are in our, within ourselves or in our relationship. But really what's happening, it's happening in the body. And so a lot of my work is about slowing down the story so that we can really see what's happening in the body when you tell us that story, what's happening in your body in that moment. Or, you know, when you're telling a story and your body's quickening and it was a really exciting story and your body's going, 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 and you can hear it, right? You can feel it in your body, the energy's moving. And so part of my job is like, let's pause and just see what's happening in the body in that moment. And so it's just really giving people more body literacy. It's it's giving them more um, like somatic intelligence, like bringing them back into this place where we've spent many years not really being. Um, like taking away ooh. the natural reaction to things and being able to think it through kind of. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I didn't even know that would be like a thing to know or or to explore or even, you know, that we could explore. It seems like those would be those types of reactions are like are, are just what happens. Just what like, they are. Yeah. yeah. That's an amazing example that you use because instantly I connected with that Me too. because and I my felt husband, annoyed too yes I was immediately annoyed my husband does do that and of course he's very safe he's my safe place and and it's all out of love and you know compassion and companionship but I don't like that 
I don't like being approached like that. I don't like, I think maybe for me, and maybe you can explain this because now you've yeah. got a lot to unpack here. <laughs> um, <laughs> and basically, I'd like to say that all of my reactions are my body's fault and not my mind. I'm going to use that from now on. But <laughs> yes. Well, no, like basically a, it's their fault because they made your body do that. So Exactly. I wrong. can't be responsible for my thoughts when my body is reacting in such ways. Um, but no, I mean... Like, I I do feel annoyed right away, and I don't really know how else to explain it when that those situations happen other than, like, I don't like You're that. You're annoying. I'm annoyed. Yeah. yeah, like, get away from me. Like, it's an, and that it does cause arguments sometimes because then they're off, he, well, they, he, my husband, is offended by it because what? he's like, what I the can't hell? just, grab I'm just your like, tip? giving you a hug. <laughs> what, can't have a titty grab? Like, no. <laughs> Okay, so I just want to break that down a little bit, too. And I do want to further explore your uh, history, like how the hell you even got into this or how do you even know about this or how is it even a thing to know about? But before that, like you mentioned a very specific example there. And and Lauren and I clearly both like really (laughs) spoke to that and agreed with that. Um, is, Is that like the main example like why did you get it so on the head there like why is that so annoying or or what other types of things what other examples are there for this like that we would all connect with I was just so surprised that you really as soon as you said that one that was like bang on (laughs) so bang on and instantly when you said that I'm like yeah that would be fucking annoying if I was in the middle of something yeah because there there are um, very spe- there are very specific things that show up in, in, in all the dynamics that show up in my one-on-one or in my group work. And like, I, like I could tell you exactly, like almost every couple comes in with like the same issue and, and often one of the biggest issues. And, and so the first thing that we do is boundary repair, even though the couples don't even necessarily think that there's boundary repair, but then I start naming things. And often, and this is, I'm speaking very heteronormatively, like women and men, Mm -hmm. but it's not, there's another way to put it is the person who's more yin in the relationship, which is cool, less like, um, like arousal in their body. They need more like outside stimuli. So that's the person who doesn't want sex as much, but that's a lot to unpack there. We will come back to that. I'm going to come circle back to that. (laughs) And then the other person (laughs) tends to be the man, but isn't always the true. And so it could be any, any, any genders. I'm just being, you know, heteronormative as I'm that's speaking fine. it. We speak that's... usually heteronormative. Um, it's what just we know. As more of that generalization on the show. Okay. And that's what we know. Yeah. Okay. And no, so, no, dis- not meaning to not include um, other yes. types of relationships, but this is what we know. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the other way to think of it is like, is the person with yang energy. So yang energy is more heat in the body. They've got more desire. That's the person who wants to generally have more sex. So they have more spontaneous arousal. They're up for it at the drop of a hat. Whereas, they are a man. That is, they think they don't need dicks. to like explain that. That's a man. <laughs> Often it is. Often or Jess. that is that because yeah. they have more testosterone or just. Yes. <laughs> Well, and that depends, right? It changes throughout your life. Like I was very yang energy before I had my daughter. Um, I had a lot of spontaneous desire, wanted to have sex all the time, had my kid. And I was like, don't touch me. I just like, I'm just like, no, I don't want anybody near my body anymore. Like there's so much to unravel there. And so it changes Mm -hmm. throughout your lifetime. Depends, right? 
But anyways, the dynamic often shows up. There's like somebody who wants more sex in the relationship, somebody who wants wants less. And, and then the person who often shows up in my work is the person who doesn't want to have as much sex and they think something is wrong with them. This is an issue in our relationship. I need to fix this. I used to want to have more sex and I don't want to have sex as much anymore. And there is, there is like usually like a very specific few things. Usually it's, they're not getting the sex that they want. They might not even know what the sex is that they want, but they're not getting it. Or there's boundary ruptures and boundary ruptures can look like the example that I just gave, these small ways that our bodies, where there have been experiences where it feels like our partner thinks our body belongs to them. And we know that, we know that they don't actually think that, we know that because they're usually good people, yet this is something that is wired into their bodies, the, the way that it's wired into ours to feel like we belong to somebody. Because if we go up our mat uh, maternal lineage, we're gonna see women were literally traded as property. Their fathers traded them as property. And so we were, we were the property of our fathers and then we were the property of our husbands. And so this still we lives still in our, like, with our married coding. names, except for Lauren, she's taking a stance on that. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting a good fight, girl. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So there is, and, and that's an interesting thing too. That's like a whole nother spiral. I, I, if you haven't read, um, red tent, I would say, read that it's, it's a really powerful book and, and yeah, something that it's, it's, it's kind of like going through, um, the, basically it's like a smaller version of the Bible through a woman's lens. And so it's all of these, these stories following these women, this young girl who's raised by her mother and all her aunties, they're all her mothers. And it's, it's really powerful. And it's, you know, what, something it says right in the beginning of the book is like, we don't have names. We, we aren't named, we aren't named in any historical um, literature and we don't have last names. All our, all of our last names are names that belonged to men. Even your last name, Lauren, is not actually your last name. It's your father's last no, name. That's right. Yeah. Well, right? it's cool that you're just like telling my whole like story relationship <laughs> right now um, because I am all of the, I check all of the boxes, even down to not taking my husband's um, last name in truth more just due to laziness but also I just don't feel it's necessary um either it's it's my decision like what the hell does anybody else care anyway yeah. uh but is it like I almost feel like you're kind of touching a little bit on some epigenetics there when you say that it's ingrained in us to kind of like feel that we belong to someone yeah. just like it's ingrained in a man I guess to feel that they own someone and like I have actually fairly recently been saying to my husband sometimes and not in a mean way or anything but like I will be like this is my my body like I own this you do know that right like this does not belong to you you don't have rights to my body if I say like no I don't like that and I don't want that and it's, it usually is in more joking manner when we're having those conversations because he'll try and, you know, reach and grab and maybe I don't feel like it. So I'll be, I need, I feel the need to remind him that this is, this actually belongs to me, not you. So like, am I, am I kind of accurate there or is it? Uh, hell yeah, you are. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, I know. I mean, <laughs> yes, my body is my body, but I mean, like, is that an epigenetics thing? Yeah. Like, why is she feeling like the need to express that? Is that what you mean? 
Yeah, yeah. I I think often in these dynamics in our relationship, we're so like um, like insular. Like we think like our issues are our issues. And we're not really taking into account that there are these imprints on our bodies that, that are passed down from us that say, here are the things you're going to have to survive, right? It's very smart of our bodies to carry these messages forward to say, here are the things you're going to have to survive, which also like, and then, and then our culture reinforces these things, right? So if we think about women enduring sex, I, I've, I've met, I've not met a woman in my life who has not endured sex. Anybody that I've ever met who's been socialized as a woman endure sex at some point in their life. I've not really met many men who endure sex. And so there, that's really interesting, right? Because we're, we're looking at epigenetics there. So we're looking at what's inherited there, but we're also looking at what, how we're socialized. So those things really like compound that issue where, where, yeah, we show up and we're like, well, I need to have sex because I'm their only access to sex, or I need to say yes, because we haven't had sex in a while. And sex is really important you know, for some reason, even though we're not really both enjoying it the way that we know that we could. So there's like, yeah, there's so much, of course, to unpack there. But when we can start seeing like, oh, "Oh, there's like a strong messaging here in my body and theirs that they what what would make them think that it's okay to come up and just grab our breasts while we're in the middle of something. Bastards. Okay, this I wanted to explore that a little bit more because even though I would feel that exact reaction and I have, you know, it's I always chalked up to being annoyed like because obviously I like I enjoy that action when we're like having sex or whatever but I would be annoyed I was like I would feel like it's because I'm focusing on something so like I don't know for the interruption the interruption is kind of rude I well it is and it's like when I'm doing the dishes your example like that's the last thing that's on my mind right now like I'm like getting off on scrubbing this pot right now like get, leave me alone here but because I just like to clean I just have to clarify that but <laughs> I am a grabber so so what's up with that <laughs> like, yeah I'll just walk by and grab his dick <laughs> like I don't know why I just I'm like I just do that so why am I getting annoyed when I'm gonna do the same thing yeah and I mean that's that's true across the board like just because you okay. enjoy it doesn't mean that that you're going to be like, or just because you like to grab somebody and you don't like to be grabbed doesn't mean you're going to be like, maybe I won't grab them because we are, we, we don't live in a consent culture, right? We didn't, we don't really no. have like a very good understanding. I mean, we're starting to move into that, but we did not learn about consent growing up. And we, even if we had parents who no. did a pretty good job, our culture did not reinforce that. And so I'm perpetuating the issue of consent. Yeah. I mean, you could ask your, you could like start practice if you wanted to, it's, it's just an invitation. You don't have to, but you could start exploring, you know, asking your partner like, Hey, I'd really love to grab your junk right now. Can I come over and do that? (laughs) I can try that. He's going to be like, what? (laughs) Actually, no, don't. (laughs) Possibly. Right. Exactly. And, and Lauren, you could, you could ask your partner, who's this touch for? When you're grabbing my breast, is it for you or is it for me? I know the answer to that. What is it the is not for me. It is not okay, for you, but, but so it, it plants the seed for them, say. right? It lets them know. It says, hey, wait a second. I'm, And then you could say, because if you want it to also be for me, here is how I would like you to touch my body and when. Right? We can get more specific because all of us are unraveling this shit, right? So we're not making them wrong. They're not wrong because like, so many of them are doing it because this is what they were taught. They were taught that women's bodies do belong to them or marginalized people's bodies do belong to them. They are at the top of the hierarchy. They don't really think that 
They absolutely don't think that, but something's driving the action, right? Oh, I have a desire. I'm going to follow that impulse and I'm going to grab. Yeah. There's no like. It's more about that. Like, I don't, I definitely (laughs) don't think that (laughs) most men are coming at it with a like aggressive or a harmful mindset. It's, it's just a selfish mindset in a way. Like that's been like ingrained she looks over the cute. years. I'm feeling like, oh, I like you right now. You're my wife. You know, I'm allowed to touch your body. I'm gonna come touch your body however I want to, with no thought about whether like you're going to like this or want it um, whatsoever. So like, is it just women that have that reaction? Or, like, do men really have it? Because in Jess's example, like, I think Ian would be weirded out if if you asked him, for one. And I think for he'd two, be like, no, I've... stop. <laughs> but I don't also think he not, would. I don't, okay, this is a difference. I think that we get these uh, boundary issues, like you said, the ruptured boundaries, and we feel that annoyance. I don't think he feels the annoyance. I think he's more like, ah, like, scared that I'm going to hurt it, his balls, his sensitive <laughs> balls. You know what I mean? Like... I don't. Yeah. And I could be wrong. Please tell me if I'm like rupturing him or like hurt, like, you know, hurting. You'd his have boundaries. to ask him. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I you have well, everybody's here individual. <laughs> yeah. Like that. I think that's guy. a personal thing. Like that's up to the person if they're enjoying that kind of interaction or not. But I and, and this is probably just because of the societal conditioning as well yeah. is that I if I was to do that to my husband, which I have and I've done that to boyfriends, I just assume that that's always OK because they like that. Right. Like well, that shows like, ones. ooh, I'm interested. I'm coming for it. Like I want you. So that's going to always be like, yes, come for me. Like I'm OK with it. And it also feels yeah. safe because they're always the ones that are that have the power. So, like, if I'm doing it to you, it's never going to hurt you because you know you have the power. This is all talking, like, on a broad scale or whatever. Like, you know, even epigenetically, because um, I know, obviously, we both have the power. But you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like it's such, like, a sexual assault situation if I did it to a man versus if a man did it to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I would challenge that. Because I'm sure, oh, yeah, do, <laughs> yeah. Because it again, that's our conditioning to think, oh, m- people who are socialized as men always want sex, and this is not true. It's not true. They don't always want sex, and we've we've whittled sex to this thing that's like, you know, my partner only wants to have sex with me. This is a thing that lots of people will come in and they'll say, my partner only wants to have sex with me, like when they are getting in that way. But something that we don't often think about is that that a lot of people that are socialized as men get their emotional needs met through sex because our culture tells them if you want to be a man in this world, you need to put parts of your wholeness away. You need to put parts of who you are away. So they are they become less emotionally available and they become less vulnerable and they have a harder time expressing how they feel because they're conditioned that way and we are conditioned to be vulnerable to share our feelings to process our feelings out loud and so often that's that's another reason why that dynamic shows up in that in that heteronormative relationship because the men are the men are often getting their emotional needs met through sex it's where they feel deeply connected whereas we often like to be connected feel connected before we have sex. And so sex begins long before the touching starts, you know, like 
we think sex begins here when the touching starts, but it doesn't. It starts earlier that day, earlier that week, earlier that month if we're if we're somebody who who bleeds and has a cycle, right? Because there are certain parts in our cycle where if you set us up right, then we're going to want to have lots of sex or connection, intimacy later on in our cycle. So there's like, yeah, I mean, there's so much <laughs> I mean, that's, that's so true. Like, I agree with all of that. Like, I'm, I can think of myself in all of those scenarios. And I'm like, yep, 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 yep. Like, it is very true. And, and do you think that um, a man, a biological man, like, knows that, like, recognizes that, that that's where I get my, or I have, that's my emotional outlet is through sex? Because I would very much argue that my husband would have no idea. Like, he just... Like, he is emotional and he does has said, like, that's how I feel love. Like, that's what, me, like, when you, when we're intimate, like, I feel that you love me and you care about me. And, like, you know, it's, it's just a bond between us. But I don't think he could ever articulate that that's him, like, being emotionally vulnerable or, like, Well, that is him expressing. articulating it. That's it right there. Well, him he saying, articulated like, I, it. That I, you know, when, when we I have guess. sex is how I feel loved. <laughs> Right, articulated it. Yeah, but I chalk it up to the difference of um, even just the arousal, the physical arousal process, or like how it is. Like they just get boners all the time. We it does take a little bit more time for us, and I know for a fact that he can be in the middle of some sort of like you know personal disaster, and he's still gonna have an orgasm. But me, I need, you know, my head to be in the game. Like, it, there's so much more to it. So, like, does, does much that... more psychological for women. Yeah, does that... Yeah, does that psychological and physical difference play into this? Yeah. Well, we're both psychological. Both of our arousal is is really psychological. Um, our 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 body. So if you have a vulva, then your your body takes longer to to be fully aroused. Where like we right. also our our genitals are also erectile tissue, and so they need to also be engorged. And so, like, if we want to have penetrative sex, we need to allow our body, like our vulva and our vagina, to become en- engorged to have that erectile tissue actually be flooded with some blood and have some stimulation there before we're actually being touched before we're actually being penetrated. And so it takes longer, you know, it might, and it doesn't have to be in the act of sex. We can have something happening throughout that day where it's like keeping us heated, but it, you know, it's it, the psych, the psychological pieces, it's both like, and it's very emotional for emotionally connected for both often, but the physical arousal, the physical response is our body takes a, a lot longer to heat up generally than their bodies bodies do. Don't we have an orgasm platform or something that we have to get to? I think we talked about this on another show, um, and we won't be able to orgasm in case unless we get to like a certain platform. I might be remembering it wrong. So, so orgasm. I mean, like orgasm and and like really good pleasure are not necessarily the same thing. Like, like I can have an orgasm but not be in my body. But if I want to feel really good and ha- and feel that really feel that orgasm, then I'm gonna want to be home in my body. What do you mean? So, so our bodies, if our bodies are too stressed out, so we have too much cortisol in our body, then our our body doesn't have as much access to pleasure. And the reason for that is because if we have a lot of cortisol pumping through our body, which a lot of us do right now in a pandemic, and us in Ontario where we're being shut down, like just constant shutdown. It's, you know, we're all, our systems are really taxed. 
And so we are all sustaining this level of cortisol and our body is not built, it's built for short bursts of stress, not prolonged exposure to stress. And so right now we're in a prolonged, we're in this period of prolonged exposure to stress. And so it puts a lot of pressure on our body and the cortisol tells our body, look for the threat, look for the threat. It's letting us know that we're not, we're, we're not quite safe is what it's telling us. And so for us to feel, for pleasure in play to feel accessible, we need to feel safe enough. And for us to feel safe right. enough, we need to not have so much cortisol in our body. So we're all working overtime to feel safe, to feel good in our lives. But a lot of people are really struggling to have access. But to, we're not. We don't yeah. feel good in our lives. I don't feel, I mean, when you just like surface level, yes, of course I feel good in my life. Yeah. Am I like feeling great about life right now? No, because of what you just said, because of the lockdowns, because of the restrictions, because of the indefinite like timeline that we're following right now it just it, it there's just not enough answers so it is constantly stressful but then the stress of trying to have kids in virtual school while trying to continue working at a full-time job that I can't just like walk away from and not do so that I mean makes a lot of sense because in I guess part of my brain and this is the best way for me to explain it is I'm like yes I want that side of our relationship still I want that intimacy I want that play and that pleasure but the other side of my body is like oh we don't we can't think about this right now we don't have time like what's tomorrow going to be like today was stressful like it just feels very like I can't catch my breath sometimes me too yeah yeah. Even so when I'm explaining it, I can, you because us. of what you said, I'm like doing this and I'm getting like stressed out about it. What if we even just paused right here and just sort of noticed what's happening in your body? And um, okay. Do and you just, want me to tell you? I was feeling agitated watching Lauren get agitated. <laughs> right. And so noticing that as well, that we often will merge with people. When we notice their bodies in distress, our body will move into distress. And so Jess, I'll invite you to just get a strong sense of your own body, a strong sense of self. Look around your room, feel into your body, like feel your hands, do something like this. Get a sense that I am in my own person, I'm my own body. And for you, Lauren, to just sort of notice what am I feeling in my body? So if you're saying agitated, how do you notice agitation in your body? Where's that living right now? Like I can, my voice for sure, because I feel like I talk really quickly and then that goes with my like body movements of like my hands kind of flailing around. Your hands. And I do kind of feel sweaty. Like I get like hot. (laughs) So even just those are, and that's all, that's all good, right? We're bringing more energy into the body. So that's your, that's your body moving into like fight or flee, right? It's getting ready. You know, the speeding up of the voice and the moving of the hands. It's like, I got to get away in the, I got, I don't know. I can't because I'm thinking of what I got to do tomorrow. That's flee, right? So that's this, our body, like our brain and body trying to pull us into the future and go really fast. So the way that we support our bodies when we're in that state is to just slow down even just if you're going to talk to just like move your hands slowly and see if you can just wow is that are are you able to do that because i'm lauren's freaking out i was like whoa feeling it too because i really uh not just because i saw her freaking out but i really agree with what she's saying and understand where she's coming from and you're just like cool as a cucumber like "Mm -hmm." 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, did, I did notice that you really stayed calm and you did not feel she my went, agitation. She like, overly calm. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Kat, yeah. we need to freak out here. Do you not see Lauren? <laughs> Get on board. Yeah. <laughs> and and Is I that am because you're a professional, or like, what's happening there? <laughs> well, when I am on board, and I, you know, I'm feeling that too, and it's helpful to have a settled body in the room. So I am the settled body. Well, you're Thank telling you. a story that's helpful. really activating for your body, right? Yeah, and it's important in my my oh. job that I do not merge with people. That I do not go I do not take what they're feeling in their body and call it my own. I can feel it in my body. So I felt what you were feeling, but I noticed it's not familiar. It feels different. That's Lawrence. What am I feeling in my body? I feel really comfortable. I'm in my pink bedroom. I'm on my cozy bed. My body is cozy. I was in the sun. And so I'm distinguishing between myself and and you. And so I can and You're actively doing that. Yeah. So in your mind, you're saying those things to yourself? No, my body just does that. That's just like, because I've practiced it very often. Right. Okay. You know, I, I, you know, when I, you know, we might also call merging codependence. Um, that's where, you know, like an example is, you know, your, your partner walks in the house and they've had a rough day and they just start, oh, I had this really like shit day. Like my boss was such an asshole. And I just like, oh, I fucking hate this day. Like it was, can I swear on this? Yeah, please. Right, because no. I'm too we late. Have to cancel everything. <laughs> of course. Have and you they not just heard come our in and got all this. <laughs> and they've got all this energy in their body, and you're just like, what? And you now you're feeling it, right? Right. So now you 100%. feel it in your own body. That was body. today. Right, and now you might even be in conflict about it. Like, oh, like we you are. Know, I'm like, you, I always get on board. I'm like, fuck yeah, he is an asshole, <laughs> and it, it, it yeah. riles me up more. What's that yeah. about? So that's and merging. I know I go different where I'm now like mad and I'm like frustrated kind of at him because I'm like, yeah. you just brought this bad vibe into the house and I was chill and now I'm not. And that's your fault. Yeah. Really? You felt and he that? would do that to me. Yeah. So both of those, both of those are merging. So what's happening okay. is your partner comes in, they're feeling something. Now you're feeling it in your body, right? So they feel yeah. it. You can feel it. You can feel the tension in your chest. You can feel the energy totally. in your hands, the energy in your head. It's not yours. It's theirs. So because wow. we are a co-regulating species, we feel the people around us. It's very important that we feel the people around us because we need to know if we're in danger. We are stronger together. We are more resilient together. And so I need to know, I can need to sense the other bodies in the room. And so we pick up on all these subtle cues. And so your body takes that information and then we call it our own so then you think you're really like i'm also stressed out now but there's a way to distinguish right by us being able to say hey you're over there and then we can actually set some healthy boundaries so say for you lauren it could be like you know i i really get that you're having a rough day that is tough and i'm really not in the sp space to be holding that or i don't have the capacity right now I love you. And this sounds like something you could process with a friend, like something like that. So it's saying, I see you. <laughs> call your friend. Know, call your friend. This is what I say to my partner all the time. I'm like, that sounds like something you could process with a friend. And I used to do this before he had friends, before he had a therapist, before he had a, a men's group. He was just, I was his only support. And I would say these oh. things. That sounds like something you should process with a therapist. Because it's not healthy to be so merged, right? Like to be yeah. so merged together. We want to peel back. What we want is to join our partners. We want to have a strong sense of self and a strong sense of the other and to be able to meet each other. 
and I can feel you, but I feel myself too. So then I'm not actually taking on their thing. So is this somatic therapy? Is that exactly what that is? Like, yeah. And this is, we're using a negative example here. You know, someone coming in riled up. What about when they come in with a positive energy, but it's a lot still? Like, Mm -hmm. do we, because it's positive, we can keep it or, and like have it too? Or should we do the same thing with all energies? Well, I, yeah, I think that's up to you, right? Like if you find it destabilizing and then you have like a come down after, then you might want to have a, a strong sense of being like distinguished from the other. But it's, it's great. That's, that's, that's a really good example because we do. It's so nice to be able to like kind of hijack somebody else's really great energy and, and let that fill our own bodies. And so that's part of the great, great thing about being a co-regulating species is like, you know, our partner can walk in and we can give each other a long hug and we can melt and our stress can go away. Like these are, these are the great things about being in relationship with people as we can like love each other whole. Right. And we have these opportunities to heal in relationship together. And so of course, take it, take it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that if I said some of those things to my husband, I know possibly (laughs) cause more conflict. So, but I mean, I understand like I can't just out of the blue one day start kind of giving him these like therapeutic type (laughs) responses um, it would it would need a, to be a conversation I feel like it where would I would say if you said just chill for a sec, bro. Like something obviously. Well, not I quite said, as are you okay? Because but... he was like huffing and puffing to himself and mumbling and blah, 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 all the stuff, and I just turned around and said, "Are you okay?" <laughs> but because I took on his like angst, I said it in kind of like a snappy way, and he was like, "No, I'm not. Work is shit right now, and I'm." so busy and everything's going to hell and I was like oh okay and then I just walked away um so I think if I turned around so and was like you need a second you really need to that. take that and call a friend I can't take this on he would be like oh okay I didn't say you should take it on and it would just kind of then yeah, spiral make a fight. um so it would be a conversation to have prior where I would say like you know I think we should try this approach to our moods because they're happening often enough because of the situation we're all in where I'm going to tell you like I can't absorb like what you're going through right now so I don't maybe like here's options that you could do would be call a friend or do something to calm yourself down grounding yeah step away um, or we can come back to it later and talk it out. Like, what what are the other ways to approach that? Because I was thinking yeah. about telling Ian that I, I I love our pod because it's like all these things. I'm like, okay, I learned this today on our pod. Um, speaking with all of our amazing experts, and now you, Kat, are one of them. And and just say she mentioned to do this, and then that way. I don't get in trouble. Like the onus is on you. <laughs> Not yeah, that yeah, for exactly. Something like this, <laughs> I tell I people that all trouble, the time. <laughs> but but it, it makes sense yeah. too because it's not like me out of nowhere being like, "Listen, I'm so evolved. I know what you need." You know what I mean? It's not so. It won't come across like that. And it's not saying what you need. It's saying it's saying I'm not the person to hold that right now. Like I'm not. I'm not willing to take that on right now. Or yeah, and you know what, like, like having that, like you said, Lauren, having the conversation ahead of time and and saying, hey, like, you know, I noticed that like, if one of us comes in with a bad mood, the other one often takes that on. I wonder if we can just like have some check-ins about that. Like, 
if we're if we're what because in your situation what you just said it sounds like he came in and he was in his own huff and puff that he wasn't venting to you he was just like really miserable around you right so he was yeah yeah so in that situation I wouldn't say what I had said like that is when like your partner's venting like at you and they're like oh you know that makes sense but in that situation do I would just like, I would just move myself out of the room or, or I would say, you know, I I can see you're having a really hard time. Like would a hug feel good right now? Or would some space feel good right now? Or is there something small I can do to make you feel loved and supported? Like just like offering and it like some sort of support just to acknowledge, I see you, I see that you're having a really hard time and I don't have to hold all of it. Like it sort of depends what your capacity is. Right. But I think the first step is noticing wow, I'm really agitated now because they're really agitated. Can I find something else in my body that's not that agitation? Like maybe it's like my feet are really cold or my legs feel heavy or there's like a light ringing in my ears or my belly feels like soft and warm. Like finding something that you know is yours and focusing your awareness on that instead of on the agitation. So just totally distract. I think that's fantastic and super easy and literally anyone can do that anytime. That's fantastic yeah. advice. But and it's not, so and not it's not distract. to do it. Distract, distract is what you're already doing. Like let me rile up in it and not tend to. So the, the noticing what's happening in your body is tending right. to your own body. It's bringing body awareness right. in, right? So it's not distracting you from that. It's saying what is actually mine here and what does not belong to me. So it's, it's telling your body, like, that doesn't belong to me. Let's just let that go. And let's create more of what is already in my body, what actually is mine. So if I've got, like, this warm feeling in my belly, let's see if I can expand that warm feeling in my belly instead of, like, get it. And if you feel like, no, I'm too fucking agitated. I just want to, like, do something. Okay, go do something. And so, like, there's lots of things you can try. You can, you know, take a pillow and just like squeeze it with all of your strength and just just growl and just try and find a way to let that energy out in a nice like slow way individual way yeah yeah go (laughs) in your go away in your bedroom close the door yeah so it's more being like a lot more physical aware than mental sometimes in in this kind of a response and yeah just like being present in your own body because it's this is kind of interesting because I feel like we're a we're not conditioned to do that I don't think like you're not raised to be like oh just like focus on like your warm belly or your cold feet you're kind of taught to be in your head well how are you feeling like think about it like what's the mental state that you're in so this is almost like unlearning some of the mm. things that I think I've learned and then relearning a, a different way to handle those situations. But yeah, well, on the other side, what about how we were always taught to walk it off? Go for a walk when you're pissed. Like, is that the same thing? Okay, so two different questions. So I'll, I'll answer Lauren's first. So what we're doing is we're remembering. So we're not learning anything new. We're unlearning what we've been taught to come live up in our heads, right? Really important that that our our culture, our very capitalistic culture, has us living in our heads. It's very, very, very important because when we start living in our bodies, we start seeing where we have spent our lives enduring and overriding our own needs. And when we start coming into the body, we slow down. 
We want more pleasure. We want more ease. We want more play. Those are not productive ways to live. And so oh. it, it's very, it's very inte- intelligent and, and highly um, intentional that we are pulled out of our bodies at a young age. This is another one of my favorite examples that I share all the time. My husband and I, we were at the grocery store with my toddler. She was, she must've been two at the time. And we all know, we can all picture the, the mother or the parent with their cho- to- toddler, their cho- young child, just like having at it, you know, just screaming at the top of their lungs because they can't get the thing that they want because grocery stores are overwhelming for young children. And so there's my daughter just having an epic rage meltdown and it's glorious. It is so glorious. And my husband is so uncomfortable. His skin is like, he is crawling out of his skin and he's doing everything he can to stop her so that people stop looking at us. And I'm like, I, and I'm just encouraging her. I'm like, yeah, let it out, Lenore. Like, just rage. Like, let her, you know, I'm inviting her to have this, like, really big experience. Because they're children. They're not supposed to regulate their emotions yet. That's our job. It's my job to be the settled, settled body so I can teach her what a regulated body looks like. But instead, what we most often have is these parents who are really uncomfortable with feelings, right? Because that's what we were taught. That's what we were. And so we pull our children out of their bodies, we were pulled out of our bodies and we were taught that having big feelings, feeling big things is dangerous and unsafe, right? And embarrassing. And wow. Embarrassing. Oh, embarrassing is very dangerous. Very dangerous. It's like we don't like shame, like toxic shame. Like it's not good, right? We don't want to, to experience that feeling. And so we learn at a young age that it's better to move up into the body and to stop feeling from like the neck down. So we stop collaborating. And so we go from what's supposed to be 80% of feeling in our body, 20% of cognitive um, of processing and thinking and all of that. And what we have it, we have it flipped. We do like probably 90, 95% of our like processing through our mind, but that's not where all the information's coming from. Most of it is coming from your body. And so So the somatic approach, my approach is like we're collaborating. We're bringing the cognitive mind into collaboration with the body. So we want to do the processing with both. We want to bring the, invite the body back into the process and still do the cognitive processing that we do. So we want to have both happening. So it's really just bringing us back into that young body, that young wise body that already knew what to do, that already trusted itself, right? That's the other pieces that we're taught to not trust our bodies. That's not safe. Don't do that. Don't go there. And so we learn very early on to not trust our bodies. And then our bodies are constantly violated, right? Like as children, children aren't treated often as their own autonomous sovereign person, right? They're often taught as like, well, I got to get you to daycare. So I'm going to like force you in your clothes and I'm going to get that backpack on you. And like, we're getting the heck out of this house. Right. And most parents will relate to that. Like we got to go a hundred percent. We've got this adult timeline. We got to keep going. And their little bodies learn like, ah, I don't have agency here. I don't have power here. I might as well just give up (laughs) or just like keep fighting very loudly or give up. And so there's a lot of things that happen at a young age and all of those come into our adult relationships. All of those come into sex I mean, I feel like as a child, you just know, like, why do we screw ourselves over so royally? Like, they, you know, therapists and psychologists and, like, you know that pretty much everything that we are in our adult life stems from our childhood experiences. 
And obviously not everything, but a lot. Uh, my therapist has said that. I've heard multiple say it. Many people that have that, that kind of background on the show have said this. Um, but it's like we purposely destroy everything we have that we that we need for like later in life. And I, it's when you said all that, it's just like, ugh. <laughs> Like, we're mm. just such a failure of a species. <laughs> In a lot of ways, well, why yes. why is that? Like, why Why do we Why do we do, do this? That? Again. How do we evolve here? Well, we, well, we started Tell to... Tell us what's wrong with the whole entire human race. <laughs> we started to colonize, right? We started to farm. We started to do things on big scales. And it meant people needed to work harder, longer hours. And so the only way to get people to do that is to get them to not be in their bodies, to be really conditioned inside this dogma of like this belief system that says doing is good. Your worth comes down to what you get done and how productive you are, how successful you are. And so then this drives us, right? Because right. I'm no good unless I'm, I'm productive, right? And so that's, that's what's happening there. And so... Our, we don't know it. Our parents don't know it. They, you know, again, like they're just, they're doing the best that they can, just like we're doing the best that we can. But we, we really have to look at like this bigger culture that's raising us and telling us who we're going, what's possible in this world. Right. And so all of those things that we need to survive, those are primal. Like if you look like toddlers are amazing. They're amazing at showing us how primal we are it's like you know if my daughter's rageful she's rageful and in seconds she will move into joyful and then in a few more seconds she will move into like sadness and you know she's just like she runs the whole gambit and she feels it all somatically in her whole body like gets on the ground and just lets it all out and it's so beautiful right and must feel great to be a toddler Because yeah, she's not trained yet to not do that. She's not being forced. She's not trained to, to conform yet. That's yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So are you training her to conform? No, <laughs> I'm really not. <laughs> Is that I mean, hard with your partner? Is he kind of like, uh, no, we need the like, conformity. Conform. I can't do the grocery <laughs> store freakouts anymore. No, he does it. He does a really good job. He's aware that that's his conditioning, and and he's. It only really, you only really need one parent who's like, you know, leading that. And he's really good at like following my lead, knowing that I know more about these things than he does. So he just yeah. like trusts my wisdom and, and she is who she is, right? Like when this is like a funny thing, because I, I do a lot of like, well, not a lot of, but I do rage ceremonies and grief ceremonies. And these are sorts of things where it'll be me and a bunch of other women. And we go into the forest and we just like scream and rage and grieve and cry together and then I do these exercises yes where is this where and when (laughs) I'm not COVID crazy I will come tomorrow (laughs) me too yeah I mean I totally would do that with both of you um that's one of my favorite favorite things to do and and I did a lot of that while I was pregnant and I remember it was like maybe I was like eight months or something and and my partner Matt was like I'm going to have to ask you to just like not do this last one. Like you are so pregnant. Like, could you not go into the woods and just like have like 10 women screaming around you with you screaming and holding all that? And I was like, all right, okay, I get it. And I do this exercise in my workshops and I ran a ton of workshops uh, series when I was pregnant with her. 
I do this like a bunch of boundary exercises and some of them incorporate like, yeah, like like, sort of having a tantrum where we're yelling, no, 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 no. And uh, she came out and she is so well boundaried. Like, I feel like I never had to teach her anything. She's so fierce with her boundaries. Like she does not wiggle. Like her grandma, like is my partner's mom. So she's very, you know, very like hyper vigilant around safety and like appropriateness, like wearing clothes. As an example, my child does not like to wear clothes. So the other day she's trying to get my kid to come outside and Lenoris keep, my daughter keeps saying no. And, and she says, she says, come on, Lenore, come outside. I just want just come get your sandwich, come get your sandwich. And my daughter, she's three. She says, you have to listen to people when they say no. I said, no, grandma. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love and then that. grandma was like, what? She's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no telling my daughter what to do. Like it's like the only way we can get her to do anything is if we give her options. Would you rather go to bed now yeah. or in five minutes? Would you rather to put your clothes on or would you rather me put your clothes on? Like I, like I can't make her do anything. She's so exactly fiercely like boundary. There's no yeah way around it and it's so funny because i've been channeling a lot of things that we normally say to him more so his mom i'm more like the get your clothes off like let's run outside um but his mom is always like we keep our hands to our and he's like self because he's like always so (laughs) but i'm like well the poor kid like it's not his fault i'm the one teaching him not to do that so sorry but (laughs) that's what i was thinking like like when we were going over the boob grab i'm like oh yeah hands to yourself like but yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's not really <laughs> it's funny how that comes full circle so before like when we first started this I asked you how you got into this like where did you even find this was this like a natural calling to you did you make this up like what is this <laughs> are you the creator of somatic therapy yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I'm not the creator I did create my job so uh, a bit of backstory for me is that I actually never finished high school. Like I, I, yeah, I don't even have my high school diploma. And, um, I, when I was young, I was diagnosed with uh Charcot Marie tooth disease. And then I had 17 surgeries when I was a kid. And so I spent, so, sorry, what disease? is that though? Char- Charcot Marie tooth disease is a, a, what's called a neuropathy. So it affects your peripheral nerves, which is like your arms and your legs and then it affects the development of your bones. Um, so you often have like some form of like bone deformity, like claw foot, like claw toes or really, really, really high arches or one leg grows longer than the other. I had all of those things happen. So wow, I, yeah. So I had a lot of reconstructive surgeries to change how my legs and feet work. So from when I was 10 until I was 16 or 15, somewhere around there. And so I spent a lot of my childhood in the hospital. And so I didn't really go to school. And and this is actually, you know, it's a really big gift for my now career because I, I wasn't um, institutionalized. Like I, I didn't learn to follow the rules. I didn't learn to be a good student, good rule follower, good worker. You know, I really, I, I just... I, I got, t- I, got, I had the opportunity of being taken out of that. And then my mom never focused on any of that stuff. And I remember being a kid being like, she doesn't seem to care about whether like I'm in school. Like she doesn't ask me what yeah. I want to be. And I was like, this is not good. Like, that's not, but really it was like, we, we were, in, we were in survival, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm like 
15 and I have zero high school credits and I'm just like sometimes go to school sometimes I'm just at home like I have I have like maybe like two high school credits like that's how little schooling I had incredibly well-spoken intelligent (laughs) articulate you know what I'm also a high school dropout like five times although I did have to go back to so I could go to university but I'm with you sometimes high school just is not the place to be I a lot yeah. of the successful people I know don't have high school. I mean, my husband for one, he has no high school, well, very little. Yeah. And he's done quite well. Yeah, it's honestly it's 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 really not necessary. We're not learning a whole lot if we're being honest. Most of us are going to go into a specialized field where none of those things are going to apply. It's really for the unless you're unless you know like you're going to do something that really needs calculus or biology, then like yeah, you want high school to yeah. set the stage for those things. But for me, it's like, yeah, none of my schooling applied. In fact, my unschooling is what applies to my work because I, so, so much of my history was being forced to be in my body and experiencing really, really like brutal and intense things, right? And learning how to cope with pain, learning how to cope with like with trauma. And so those are the, that was my schooling, right? Like that was my school that set me up for this career. So about like seven or eight years, seven years ago, my partner and I were cleaning houses full time. We had gotten back from living on the road in our camper and we were cleaning houses full time and building a tiny house. And my body went into like a shutdown. Like I couldn't use my hands anymore. Like I couldn't even like wipe myself going to the bathroom. So this was the CMT. So my body was like, um, yeah, not working. And it was my, my disease, like being like enough is enough. And so I was like, I got to get out of this. Like, I got to stop. I got to stop doing this for a living. And my partner said, you should run uh, courses on sex. Like you should teach people how to have really great sex because that was the thing I knew the most about is the thing I could talk about the most. It's what people were already coming to me for. And so I was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, maybe I could do that. And so then I, was doing like a fundraiser to go to this court, this weekend course in the U S with a bunch of my girlfriends. And so I started offering, I said, I'll, I'll do some one-on-one sessions with people and I'll run this little workshop. And that's where it started. And so that was like, that's my, the origin of it. It was just like an idea, like, Hey, I could do this thing for a living. And then the more I was doing it, the more I was realizing, wow, there's like trauma lives in the body. Like there's a lot of stuff here that, that, you know, these people who are showing up to me want to go deeper. They want to be able to go like these deeper layers into their body. And I'm not trained for that. I'm not qualified for that. So then I started doing my somatic experiencing training, which is um, Peter Levine's body of work, which he's he wrote um, the Waking the Tiger and a lot of other really amazing trauma books. So he's he's really brilliant. And so that's that's where my nervous system, autonomic nervous system and trauma training comes from is the somatic wow. experiencing training you know you it's hard to argue that the universe doesn't have a plan sometimes when you hear a story like yours because you had to live the way you live so you obviously were very very in your body aware of it and for some reason people were drawn to you for different types of like I guess advice and help um they felt that like stability I'm sure yeah and I you have to think that this was just your this was planned for you it was fake kind of I, I don't know yeah. some people believe in that stuff and some people don't but like I said hearing your story it's so hard to argue that it wasn't like because that calling never happened for me I would never have thought any of these things so. yeah yeah I did not feel some higher calling at all 
No, I wish that because we really went cool. to high school. It ruined us, and they taught us. You know, you know, how many times Lauren and I have talked about what we should have been taught in high school, which is none of the shit we actually were, but many other things that life needed us to know, like like this, anyways, like everything, <laughs> like how to but, be in your uh, body, yeah, yeah, like how to be in your body for one. So, so I want to kind of explore that. What you mentioned was with somatic therapy and then sex trauma or trauma um please get into that. <laughs> like I, like i don't even know what to ask because i'm just so curious about all of that yes i guess sex therapy in a way like how did you kind of combine those two things with the somatic um education mm-hmm. yeah that is a good question uh, and um that actually comes back to part of that story that I'm, I'm sharing about, you know, me being in and out of the hospital. So yeah, part of my like work origin story is that, you know, my experience going through chronic pain. So yeah, I spent a lot of time in and out of the hospital. So I'd have like a major surgery and then I would come out of that major surgery and it's like really excruciating, very confusing for a child. And, um, I think it was my second surgery. My mom, before they were about to give me the IV and my mom just ha- leads me through this breathing exercise. And then she, she has me envision myself in this, this crystal cave and I can invite in one person who's like a really special person. And so she, what she didn't know she was doing, well, she knew she was giving me a tool to help manage my anxiety around getting needles. But what she didn't realize she was doing was she's giving me permission to actually leave my body. So she, so meditation is sometimes a form of disassociating. It's a way to come out of our bodies and imagine ourselves somewhere else. There are other ways to meditate that invite us back into our body, into our sensing sensing experience. So if I think of my favorite place I've ever been, okay, I'm going off topic, but I'll come back. My favorite place that I've ever been, and it's this memory of my partner and I we had the, had the second birthday that he and I were together, we took our camper and we went to Port Dover. It was like this hot, sunny day. And, and we left the town and we drove out to some cornfield and just like pulled off onto the side of the road and had like this like such dreamy, beautiful, like really connected sex. And then we opened the window and there's like this cornfield there and the warm breeze is coming in and I'm naked and sweaty and the sun is beating on my skin. And that memory just always brings me back into my body. Like I can feel it in my body. I can feel the sun on my skin and I can feel the breeze coming across like my breasts. Like it's so, so sense, sense rich. Right. And So that's a way to like meditate and bring myself back into my body and to remind my body pleasure is possible, you know, ease is possible, like joy is possible. So it's like bringing that in. Like if I'm really stressed out, I might think about that memory. I'm pretty sure I was there. (laughs) Right? I have a similar one. (laughs) Yeah, I have a similar one like that when I was in Mexico. And when I just like, you know, when you go into the room in the middle of the day and you leave the doors open, those they always have those shears. (sighs) It was so similar to that. And I think about that time all the time no that's so good and the next time you think about it see if you can recall like what did it smell like in the room i was just thinking that yeah yeah. i wish it was with someone else (laughs) yeah and what inviting the person that that you want there (laughs) you can yeah you totally can and and take those elements of that memory that were so joyful and so like rich 
and and yeah. imagine your partner or somebody that you love actually being there instead. Yeah, you can definitely yeah. rewrite. And that's that's kind of like how we renegotiate trauma actually, which we could, you know, talk about too if you yeah. want. I know we're like, yeah, like <laughs> been talking for a while. We could talk for a million hours, I think. <laughs> Well, I guess we want to help people understand if they have some kind of like sexual trauma, like how could this help them? Like what does somatic do for them? Yeah. So. And why? So I first I'll say that everybody has some form of trauma. Um, but more specifically, if we're talking about people who have sexual trauma, what somatic, what the somatic approach does for them is it, it helps them to feel safe in their body again. So the places where their body is contracting in their life, you know, somatics help help us learn to expand our capacity to feel really stressful things. So the things that currently feel intolerable to you, we're learning to make those things now tolerable. And so for a lot of people who've experienced big traumas, like whether it's a sexual trauma or chronic exposure to like abuse growing up or um, like a shock trauma, like a car accident or a bike accident, these things have a way, like they set in a trauma pattern. If they don't, if the, the energy in our body doesn't get metabolized in the moment, if we're not able to self-protect or, you know, if our self-protective response is thwarted in the moment, then that energy gets trapped in our body and it will stay there until we take the opportunity to metabolize it. So somatic therapy or somatic coaching or whatever, anything that takes like a really somatic approach um, the idea is to slow down those memories and to go in them in very slow, slow ways. In the body, you don't even have to tell the memory. You don't even have to ever speak the memory again. You can literally just feel it in, in the implicit experience, which is in the body. So the somatic approach gives them their life back. Like plain and simple, gives them their life back. It gives them the, the opportunity to feel safe in their body again. It gives them the opportunity to feel like life is safe. Life is pleasurable. Life is playful. So for this is, you know, for so I think like most people need need some sort of somatic therapy at this point, like with the level of chronic stress we're all dealing with. Yes. A hundred percent. It's too much. It's too much for our bodies. I need many therapies. Yeah. Yeah. So the the somatic approach is, is, you know, slow, gentle and really, really impactful. It's, you know, I've done a lot of different kinds of work to move through my medical trauma and the somatic approach is the only thing that's ever, ever touched on wow. any of it. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's crazy that I would never even have thought, um, and, and obviously I didn't experience what you did, um, but I would never think that that would be like a trauma thing. Like, obviously it would have been a tough time, but I, I didn't want to think of like, like you just said medical trauma. I've never heard those two words together. Um, and maybe that's because I have yeah. never been through that, but I don't think that people going through things like that, I do like get enough, um, attention for what they went through and stuff. You know what I mean? It, it's like, oh, well you're healed or it's fixed now, but it had to be emotional going through. Yeah. And trauma is something that's too big, too fast, too soon, too much for the body. Right. And so trauma is really it's when we can't protect ourselves and what is a surgery it's an inescapable attack it's a, it's like it is an attack that's happening on my body that i don't have really any control over especially as a child and my body is being cut cut into and so then there's there's so many layers to this because say for my surgeries i got um like general anesthetic so that puts you under so you like you're asleep but it doesn't but they don't 
they didn't do local anesthetic. And so they didn't freeze the point of contact where they're cutting into my body, very graphic, but where they're, where they're going into my body. And so I may be asleep, but my body remembers. So may, I may not have yeah. an actual memory, but my body remembers it. And so, and so there's different ways that my body has learned to deal with that. And the biggest way that it learned to deal, deal with that is to go numb. So I can barely feel from my knee down on my left leg. And that's my body's way of protecting itself because it was too much. 17 surgeries on one leg. It's yeah. It, most people don't get that, that trauma is, it's so pervasive. It is so pervasive. Like there's, there's so many different kinds of trauma. Most people think if you got into a really bad car accident, then that's trauma. That's so unimaginable to me to have yeah. that amount of surgeries in one area. Like, is your scar yeah. just, like, cut open and open and open and open? Oh, fuck. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. and the, the body has an, in, an incredible capacity to heal, obviously. And nothing heals the same. Like, it doesn't heal the same. So, uh, you know, I, I, would ne- I will never get the function in, in that leg that I, that I had before or the flexibility or, you know, there's, there's always going to be some sort of pain there because the way that our, our – the scar tissue isn't the same as regular tissue. The way that it heals is it's like, if you have a scar, you can feel it. They're often bumpy, they're more rigid or they're sunken in or, you know, it's, it's, it's a fast repair. So your body says we have to repair this really fast. And so it does it as quick as it can. It doesn't care about functionality. It cares about like healing that so that we don't bleed yeah, out. You. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. So you don't die essentially. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting to unpack that kind of a trauma like a physical trauma that way in a scenario that is meant to help you it's not somebody purposely trying to hurt you and then understanding it more on that level where your body has for sure experienced quite severe trauma based on what you said and its response to that trauma like I just find that really fascinating because it's never something I've really considered. I understand surgery. I understand scarring. I understand pain. But when you think of them all like kind of in one bucket like that, it's, it's so, it, it just gives it a whole different meaning. And now I have a different like way of thinking about it. Well, imagine what happens to your vaginas in childbirth. Uh, and I'm, I don't have a kid. I know what happened to my vagina. I know, but I bet you there is like, residual shit that was there like residual trauma like beyond the physical there is it didn't heal properly and it didn't so therefore it hasn't healed I guess fully um so I do have sometimes and I don't know if this is the right terminology but like phantom pain from it because of like labial tearing and it not healing properly so sometimes out of nowhere I'll be like how like I'm just uncomfortable like it's sort of that like dull ache or throb and I know what it is but I don't really give it like there's no scar. It's just split in half. That's a is lot it of information. Still for our open now. Everybody knows. <laughs> like it's still open. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. So I mean, but it's it's funny because like I never thought about dealing with that. Like I didn't even really consider that trauma. It's just a result right. of childbirth. Right. You don't think of it as like yeah. They tried to fix it. It didn't heal, and I think also there was like a little bit of an element of not. I don't think it's shame. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I didn't go back to have it properly fixed because it didn't like really affect things, to be honest. Like it doesn't, I don't give it a second thought normally. 
Um, but I was just sort of like, oh, no, like that is what it is. Like that's that's me now. Aww. So yeah. had I been a little bit more like aware and a little bit more present and a little bit more like thoughtful about things, I probably would have, you know, pursued like proper but maybe you felt fixing. it, you wore it as a badge of honor. Like, maybe. Uh, okay. No, no, not Maybe you're super no, it's a hair. No. <laughs> Definitely not. No, it's, it's, it's really just, it's a, it's a really great way to cope is to be like, eh, too much. Let's just get out of there. Like, well, just, just like yeah, up out of the body. Exactly had other was. stuff going on, right? Like the baby, <laughs> that thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's now a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're not set up for postpartum care. Our culture, like so many cultures really show us what postpartum care is supposed to look like. We are not doing it. It's really messed up. And my my birth was, you know, I was trying to do a home birth. I labored for several hours. She got stuck coming out of my like her cervix. And then I had to have an emergency C-section. So surgery number 18. Oh. And so, oh, I know, like, fuck off, right? <laughs> Yeah. You can't win, girl. But you are winning. Yeah. You're winning now. You figured out how to win all by yourself. Yeah, but you know what? Same to what you're saying, Lauren, and this is true for so many people who have birthed is, you know, I'm just starting to deal with it now. I'm just now doing SE sessions for my cesarean scar, doing like manual st- stim- uh, stimulation of it and also processing the story of it like in my body because there's there's a lot of things that happen. Like as an example, the doctor who came in that I'd never met pardon me listeners like this is you know might be intense if you've had birth trauma or any sort of like sexual trauma but having like he just came in and put his fist inside me he didn't tell me what he was doing oh yeah he didn't like explain anything my midwife's like uh okay so this is what's happening now he just like comes in full fist right in and I'm like okay like ease in with a finger right to the fist really no, they just go fist fist straight in just fist straight in they do I had I had a resident that was training as part of my experience with my second kind of Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, I think I think I've blocked a little bit. I mean, and I was like okay with it because they did say, "Oh, like, do you mind if he takes a look?" Which what am I going to say? No, like, no, you can't. Like, you kind of feel like, yes, I do. Do I really have a choice? Like, why are you even yeah. asking? Um, but if my doctor was there, who I do know and trust, have known in my entire life, essentially. But it is really interesting because now that we've had this conversation to hear that example, I can kind of recall like my response to that being like awkward, embarrassed, um, uncomfortable, but not feeling under threat or anything. So I don't think that I'm sure my body was just sort of like, this is weird. Like we don't really like this, but overall, what are you gonna this do? is not and, fun. And that's probably conditioning too, of just like, well, this is a doctor, this is a medical professional. You have to let them yeah. do what they need to do to you. So it's just, again, having this conversation, just like really, if you think about incidences in your past, like you can kind of go back and be like, okay, now I need to recognize what happened here and like, what was I feeling, and is that why I'm feeling the way I feel now in a situation like full circle with my husband and being like I don't like that like don't just grab my boob and and that is a big one that I would relate to having children because your breasts are then used for life like you're giving I mean I breastfed so um but they're used to give your child nourishment that to me had to like wash all the sexual Mm -hmm. services that my my (laughs) boobs were for um I couldn't mix the two like not during while I was breastfeeding there was 
essentially no like touching or like anything sexual because it was just my brain couldn't handle like I couldn't take the mom hat off and put like the sex hat on like it just wasn't gonna happen but now can you and I don't think I fully like have gotten away from that yeah but I like going back to the beginning like I you know even when he reaches for them or like you know wants to touch them I again I know I'm safe and in a good place but I just sometimes I'm just like no like I literally like thinking about it this is what I do I kind of block and yeah it's I'm weird seeing a somatic reaction happening but now I know <laughs> yes <laughs> we're learning yeah well Kat this was absolutely yeah. amazing I we definitely could talk for a million more hours and hopefully we can have yeah, you back on to really unpack of more of like the <laughs> the traumas um deeply and like what you do to help with that and um how people can understand it a little bit more but in the meantime tell our listeners where they can find you so if they want more information they can go directly to the source yeah thank you um so you can find me at sorry you can find me at catnance.com so it's k-a-t-n-a-n-t-z and then on any social media platform it's just my name catnance um, I offer long form workshops. So I do like a six week workshop called rewilding pleasure. And I do a couples course called rise together. And, um, I offer one-on-one coaching. Um, so those are all things that people, folks can reach out to me for if they're interested. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram's cat Nance. That's my favorite platform to be on. Um, Thank you both so much for having me, Laura and Jess. It was so nice to meet you both. And yeah, I would be happy to come back again. There's so much more we could chat about. Amazing. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I think our listeners would really benefit from even more information. And um, we're going to stick a pin in the going into the woods and screaming together. Yes. Like, I need that in my life. Same. I need a leader to show me how to do it properly, and I think that's yeah. You. I that is, is there... that is my favorite. Yep, yeah, that is my my sweet spot. All the ways to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Well, as always, our listeners can follow us at Herspective underscore podcast, and I hope everyone took something away from this episode. So once again, thank you so much, thank Kat. You. Thanks, Kat. Bye. Bye. Bye.